Hi, everyone. Welcome to the Making Work Fun podcast with Maria and Natasha, two working professionals turned life coaches. I'm Maria, and I have worked in economic consulting for more than 14 years. And I'm Natasha. I have over a decade of work experience in human resources. Through our 25 plus years of combined corporate experience, we have learned a lot about work. And through our work as life coaches, we've learned how to make work fun. Whether you work for someone else, run your own business, or do anything else that you call your work, this podcast will teach you how to make your work fun too. Without giving in to the productivity hustle. So let's dive right in. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Making Work Fun podcast. Um, so today we're talking about a really fun topic that literally like occurred to me 10 minutes ago as I was taking a walk, <laughs> which is actually very sort of in line with the topic. And the topic really is about noticing how many things are made up. Um, and I'll, I'll say what I mean by that, um, which like that makes people nervous when they hear that they're like, what do you mean? Like, is there no objective reality? Of course not. Of course, there is an objective reality of things. I'm talking about like a lot of the things that we kind of take for granted and think are factual. Um, and usually they're like negative things about ourselves that we just take for granted. We're like, I'm just bad at this or I just suck at X. You know, those types of things are just completely made up. like all of them pretty much I'm not gonna say most of them because it's really all of them those are like thoughts and opinions they're not objective reality but we like walk around and structure our lives around these concepts that we think are facts and it's just so helpful to get really to get curious about how things are made up and about how so many different people can get the same like can look at the same thing and have different opinions and different thoughts about it which tells you it's made up like if it was objective reality we would all look at a thing and we'd be like oh yeah that's this this thing is blue or whatever you know so that's uh that's what i wanted to talk about i don't know if you have any opening thoughts on on this topic well just before we jumped on i was telling Ray, i'm like i love that topic because i was just watching this week's um last week tonight with john oliver and he was talking about cryptocurrency and how all of cryptocurrency is just 100 percent made up and it's like the values made up and he was talking about like three particular companies that had kind of like ended up being scams because they created their own like stock market or they created their own bank and it was just like it was really interesting because it's like someone essentially just created this product, decided with confidence that they were going to try and sell it or, you know, spread the word on it. And then people bought into it, but it was hundred percent made up. And it's just like, so often we buy into these ideas that are just being like communicated to us by someone else who literally just thought of them on the fly or like worked. Like it's not, like you said, it's not a fact of the world. It's not something that is rooted maybe in truth that everyone needs to agree upon. Um, and we just like fall into buying some of buying into some of these ideas. Um, but as you were talking, Maria, what came to mind for me in specific, like talking about work, and this is for people who work in offices or work environments that have annual performance reviews. I was thinking about how performance reviews are like hundred percent made up. Even performance ratings. So oftentimes organizations will rate employees, let's say from like one to five or like A to B, D, C, whatever the rating scale is. And um, organizations just come up with metrics for what counts as like a one or what counts as a five. And oftentimes what they do is they 
use like performance calibration where they calibrate employees against one another in the same grade or the same pay scale or the same level. And that's how they determine like what, you know, um, success looks like. It's based on who they have in the organization and how they're performing. So if you have an organization of high performers, your average is going to be a lot higher than an organization of low performers. But it's like literally just made up. It's people's ideas and perspectives based on who they have in the organization. And it's just so interesting because so many people will value themselves based on performance reviews and performance ratings. And they put so much of their self-confidence and their value of their own worth and work based on these numbers that are not rooted in fact whatsoever. Oh my gosh. Yeah, absolutely. That's such a great example because like you said, for so many of us, like evaluation reviews are like, okay, my value as an employee and often in our poor little like brains that turns into our values as humans, it's a mess. (laughs) And it's literally just somebody came up with this random scale and these random criteria. And if you ask like 10 people about it, they're going to have 10 different views on it, which tells you that it's like just all made up. (laughs) Totally. And that even from team to team, they rate their team differently based on how the, the leader of that specific team or department thinks and what they value and what's important. Mm -hmm. And things like KPIs, that you set at the beginning of the year that are used to track your, um, your progress. I mean, I've seen it happen even to myself where my KPI was completely like unachievable because that entire project was like scrapped. So it's like, well, how are you going to now rate me against a KPI that I literally couldn't do not because of my own inability, but because of the organization now no longer prioritizing this. It's just so wild. And um, not to go like too off topic, but I was just watching the office episode, um, <laughs> the performance rating office episode where Michael Scott is trying to, um, get his employees to, um, tell him what Jan's voicemail like said, <laughs> I guess he and Jan like just hooked up or whatever. And she yeah. said something to the effect of like, we're only talking about performance reviews. And so his ranking of his employees was based on whether or not they positively viewed that voicemail or name, right? It's just like, it's funny, but also kind of ironic because I think things like that sometimes happen where it's like, how does that employee feel in that day? I love that so much. I'm such a big fan of The Office. The Office is like, people who know me know that The Office is perpetually playing in the background in my place, like no matter what's happening. Um, I think there's also another episode of The Office where like they have this new manager, Nelly, who like just comes in and has never done the job and she just just starts giving people performance reviews based on her first like three minutes of knowing them. (laughs) Like what? (laughs) Oh my gosh. Okay. So this is totally off topic, but I, I, um, I'm a certified mediator. So I did, um, mediation training and in my mediation training, we actually, one of my final projects for the certification was that we showed the episode of the office on conflict resolution. Cause there's, <laughs> it's like Michael Scott learning how to mediate a dispute between Angela and Oscar. And, um, we broke it down and like, use proper mediation techniques to how to resolve the dispute. But anyways, I just thought of how, how funny it is because I think the office is so relatable to so many of us, like so many foolish, ridiculous things happen in workplaces that you come home and tell your friends or your spouse, like, can you believe this is going on? (laughs) 
it's just wild. <laughs> there is a reason it's one of the most popular shows, I think, because so many people are like, yeah, those types of things actually have, obviously, it's an exaggeration in a lot of cases. It's like not too much of an exaggeration. No, it's an exaggeration. Exactly. It's relatable enough that we're like, yes, totally. I think we should just do an episode about The Office. I would love that. Um, oh my gosh, we totally need to. That's a great idea. Staying with our TV topic, because I think today we should just talk about our favorite TV shows. <laughs> the reason I thought of this topic 10 minutes ago on my walk was because I'm obsessed with succession right now. And I was listening to the succession podcast. And as I was listening to a podcast about succession, I walked past the Marriott and I like was started laughing by myself and people probably thought <laughs> there's something going on with me. Um, but I was laughing because I remembered like in one of the old seasons, that episode of succession where like Roman gets kidnapped and is held hostage. And then he comes back and people ask him like, how bad was it? And he's like, oh, I've seen worse I once stayed at a Marriott <laughs> so in his like multi-billionaire view staying at a Marriott was worse than a hostage situation and obviously for a lot of us staying at a Marriott is very nice so I'm like oh yeah like everything is totally made up <laughs> like, people have- right it's all your perspective and like just even to jump on that so I've never watched the show Succession um, and so Maria started talking about it and mm-hmm. how she was listening to a podcast on it or something. And I immediately was like, oh, she's listening to a podcast on succession planning because my background's in HR. So I like thought it had to do with work. And I was like, what an interesting thing to be like listening to a podcast on. So it's, like, it's like you could be having the same conversation, but totally on two different planets in terms of what you're talking about. It's just 100%. amazing. <laughs> I love that so much. Um, And then one other example that came to mind when you were talking about like KPIs and like made up shit at work. I was coaching someone the other day about public speaking where like they have a lot of anxiety about public speaking because they have this like made up criteria in their head that like whatever they say needs to be helpful to everyone in the room. I'm like, I don't think there's ever been a speech in the world where everyone in the room was like, yes, I love it. Even like the best speakers in the world, I'm sure like half the people in the audience are like, I am not even listening. This is boring. Yeah, so like I was trying to show them, I'm like, can you imagine like literally having a room of even 10 people and all 10 people being super enthusiastic about a topic? That just doesn't happen. Like, <laughs> that's never happened. So like even thinking about things like that, if you have anxiety about speaking up in meetings or public speaking or anything, like just think about, I'm going to say something that to one person might be helpful. Don't ever be like, I need everyone to be in awe of what I said. <laughs> that's just not going to happen ever. And also it's putting um, unattainable pressure on yourself to achieve something that is literally impossible and something that you can probably never prove because you're not going to take a poll of the entire audience after and decide whether or not every single person found it useful, right? And so you almost like hinder yourself in your work because you're putting this pressure on yourself instead of letting yourself just work and think and find joy in the process of what you're actually doing and make it authentic and true to yourself. Now you're basically trying to achieve perfectionist standards that don't really exist because it's what you imagine other people want to hear, which you actually have no idea because it's not like you've met all the attendees before the conference, right? There's so many different factors that make this impossible. And so instead of just focusing on you and what you want and what you want to communicate, um, you're focused on other people and that takes you away from delivering your best work. I think so many people who struggle with public speaking, it's because they're making it about 
something that they can't control. Like you can control yourself. You can control how you show up. You can control how you handle any situation that happens on stage, whether it's a slip, maybe a slip up of a word, whatever, maybe a tech issue. Like you get to control how you show up in the face of challenges and uncertainty, but you never can control what people are going to do or say or think. And when we put our energy on that, then we're not creating the experience that we desire for ourselves. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And it's uh, like you said, you're just measuring yourself against something that's out of your control. It's kind of like that API that didn't exist. Like that's the thing that they put on your layer. You're like, it's not because I can't do it. It's because it's literally not doable. So yeah, just putting yourself in a situation where you're like setting the standards to something impossible. Um, that's just, and, and, and like you said, that takes you away from what the goal of probably the public speaking was in the first place, which is to share your ideas and to present a new perspective or, you know, teach, teach people something. Because when you focus on like, everyone needs to be ecstatic about it. And that's obviously A, unattainable and B, not something you can even measure or understand. Then it just takes you completely out of like, what you want to say and how you're going to say it and just puts. Yeah. yeah. And you're so focused on other people that you're not making up your own reality like we want to bring this back to talking about how everything's made up mm-hmm. in the same way that everything's made up and other people are like just projecting their own ideas and that's what creates like our society and our communities it's like you also get to make up what you want to believe and a really good example for me was one time I was really struggling to um write a piece of work I needed to do something and I was I was just struggling to come up with the motivation and the drive to complete it and do it. And I got coached on this. And where I landed through my coaching was to just decide in advance that no matter what I did, it was already going to be amazing. So that took away all the drama because the reason why I was procrastinating on it was because I was imagining that it was going to be awful and terrible. And I was going to put all my energy into creating a a shitty draft, a shitty piece of work. And I just didn't want to go through, you know, that because I think so many of us feel that way. And that's something that leads us to procrastinate. So I decided in advance, it was already going to be amazing. The final product was going to be incredible. And then when I worked on it, when it wasn't the final product, it didn't matter. It like allowed me to work through the different iterations of it until I could get to the final product that I had already you know, decided was going to be amazing kind of thing. So it just took off some of that pressure for myself. And I didn't know whether it was going to be amazing or not. And hey, some people might have thought it was amazing. Other people may have thought it was garbage or didn't care or never read it or whatever. Everything on that spectrum is true. But um, when I was focused on that, like deciding in advance that it was going to be good, it was going to be amazing. It allowed me to actually show up and create and think through the work and do it instead of just procrastinate on it. Yeah. And I think that's such a good example of like how you can evaluate what you want to believe about something based on what result you're getting from it. So one like objection that I sometimes hear when I tell people like, okay, like shit is just made up and you get to make up what you think about things. They're like, okay, but like, does that mean I can decide I'm a brain surgeon and go perform surgery? Like, no, because look at your results. That would be a very disastrous result if you decided to do that without having the brain surgery training. <laughs> but I want to suggest, like, some people, like you could do it, but is that the desired result you even want to have? Exactly, like, there is that like, the result? <laughs> yeah. Right? There are people in the world who do pretend to have degrees that they don't have right. and then, like, pursue it and then get caught or end up screwing around with other people's lives. Like, there's, there are negative consequences, so it's like you can do it, but is that actually what you want to be doing? Or you just 
creating like an example, hypothetically, that's an extreme situation that isn't really what you would do, right? Exactly. It's like very, I'm not at all concerned that the people I coach are going to go ahead and start pretending they're brain surgeons. Exactly. (laughs) That's not a concern of mine. And so (laughs) look at your results. But if you think that whatever I write is going to be amazing and that gives you so much motivation to sit down and write, that's a great result. So how about we do that? (laughs) Like, why not? Why don't we work on that and working on, you know, creating confidence and excitement as opposed to dread and fear, which is kind of like what I was using to fuel myself with that project, right? Yeah, absolutely. Um, And the only other thing that's coming to mind on the like things are made up topic is that it gets a little bit trickier and harder to internalize that when it's um, a matter of like company culture or like some of those beliefs that are like a a group of people believe the same thing, whether that's company culture at work or like as a society, we've decided that, you know, X thing is more acceptable than Y thing, whatever it is, that becomes a little bit harder because that seems more quote unquote true. You're like, wow, but people think that. Um, So, you know, or a lot of people think that, but even there, I would just invite you to, first of all, even for let's take company culture, if you take three different companies, they're going to have different ideas for what's acceptable and what's doable and what's good. So even that just shows you that it's made up. It's just a bunch of people at the company decided that at one point and kept repeating it to others, you know, <laughs> it's still made up. and it's the same with society. Like think about through the centuries and through the years, how many bullshit things we've thought as a society are acceptable that we now realize we're horrifying (laughs) that just tells you that it's that doesn't like the fact that a group of people think that at the same time does not make it true or good or acceptable yeah like our ideas of what constitutes like a good life or a community that we want to live in or the rules of society are constantly shifting and changing and growing as humans evolve and shift and grow and change so if those fundamental beliefs that we've had as like a group of people have evolved then I mean and they're not true anymore that's how we know like it's possible that things are made up and decided by the people who are alive at that point in time or people who are involved in decision making at that point of time yeah, and if you think about it, like all of the good changes that we've seen in the world and in workplaces is because someone looked at those things that a group of people decided and said, that doesn't make any sense. <laughs> like, we don't need to keep believing that. How about we change that? Totally. Okay. And so the one thing that I kind of wanted to just really quickly mention on this topic that I think is really important and has come up in a lot of people that I've coached is specifically employees in work environments who in their head are thinking about all the negative things that their coworkers and colleagues are thinking about them. Mm -hmm. So they're like, Oh, my employer or my colleagues think I suck. They think I don't do good work. They think I'm always late. I'm not smart enough to do this job, whatever that narrative that's constantly playing in their brains is. But in reality, we have no idea what the other colleagues in the room are actually thinking All we know is what's happening in you and your brain. All I know for me is what's happening in my brain, right? That's the truth is we can only ever know what we're thinking. And so the reality in that situation is if I'm constantly thinking they don't think I'm smart enough, what's actually happening is I'm the one who doesn't think I'm smart Mm -hmm. enough. Me having that thought over and over again, but I'm just using the other people in the situation as the green screen for that belief about myself. And so I'm portraying it on other people and pretending like it's other people 
talking about me or I'm imagining them thinking that or saying that or whatever. But in reality, I'm the one who's thinking that. And so the first step is like take accountability and ownership and recognize like, hey, that's my brain who's thinking it. It doesn't have to be a problem. It doesn't have to be anything you judge yourself for. But it's like, hey, this is what's happening in my brain. And then start to recognize like that belief is actually optional and made up as well. Like if we we look at the idea of like dumb, smart, whatever, I mean, there's a whole spectrum of intelligence on the human planet and different people have different ideas of what makes someone smart, what makes someone dumb. Also, some people are really smart in one topic and very dumb in a different topic and vice versa, because not everyone is experts in every single thing on the entire planet. So it's totally subjective, this notion. And so if we accept the idea that that belief is actually you thinking that belief and using other people as the green screen for that perspective, then you can question like, do I actually want to keep this belief about myself? Or is there something else that I want to believe? If it's all made up and if smart and dumb are not really things that exist in the world objectively, because this is so it's up to interpretation, then what belief do I want to have? Like what reality do I want to make up for myself that actually serves me? And like you said, Maria, gives me the results that I want to have. Mm, yeah, hundred percent. And just as like a little evidence for you for that, think of all the times when you went into a conversation or like in a review or anything where you thought you were going to hear something really negative and actually you heard something really positive and you were shocked about it. Like I've definitely had those situations like, what? Really? <laughs> uh, and vice versa, sometimes people come to you and they're like, I know you're really upset at me and blah, blah, blah. And I was like, I don't, I don't, I don't even know what you're talking about. <laughs> like they've made a whole story in their head about like me being upset or something. I'm like, I actually have no idea what is like what you're referring to. So I clearly am not upset because I didn't know <laughs> what you're talking about. So, and, and of course we do that for others too. I often think people are upset, which probably they have no clue. <laughs> right. It's so interesting that our brains are the ones who are making up that entire reality and that entire story. So it's like, well, if that's the case, then what do you want to actually like make up in quotations that truly serves you and allows you to show up in the way that you want to create the results that you want to have? A hundred percent. Oh, I love that topic. I'm so glad we talked about this. I know. That was so fun. I loved like bringing in pop culture too. That was really cool. So I, it's making me think of, I did my master's a couple of years ago and we had a course where we had to like talk about pop culture and then embed it into different like topics of like adult learning. And so I was like, oh, this was actually super fun. We should do that more often. Like, I think we, I don't know if we talked about it on this episode or before the episode, but watching like an episode of The Office and then talking about how that ties into work or something like that. If you give me a platform to talk about TV, this is going to become a TV podcast, but I'm I'm here for it. I I am not against it too. I mean, I've been watching a lot of TV, just being on maternity leave with a baby. So I'm here for it. it. Hi everyone, this is now rebranded as a TV podcast. (laughs) Exactly. If you have any TV episodes that you want us to review and talk about the work element, Hit us up. Let us know. That sounds amazing. (laughs) All right, everyone. It was so great to hang out with you this week. Thanks so much for tuning in and we will see you all next week. Take care. Bye. Hey, everyone. It's Maria. I am a burnout coach for professional women and I work with high achieving perfectionists who want to heal burnout so that they can take a step back and enjoy their lives without sacrificing their success. 
To work with me one-on-one, you can go to my website, which is restovergrind.com and book a free consult call. You can also follow me on Instagram at rest underscore over underscore grind or on LinkedIn under restovergrind LLC. Hey everyone, Natasha here. I'm a money mindset coach. I work with women who want to shift their beliefs around money and wealth so they can finally leave the drama behind and focus on actually doing the work they love to do. I work with two different types of clients, employees who want to make more money at work or entrepreneurs who want to earn more in their business. And I teach people how to love the process of earning and creating more because it really is possible for money to be easy and fun. So let me show you how. You can find me on my website at natashatakesti.com or on Instagram at natashatakesti. We'll see you there.